It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sigma. With me is Benjamin Solak. Today's episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting bars on the market. Ben, we got the Green Bay Packers today. This is the draft that got all the headlines, mainly from the Jordan Love pick, which happened uh, at the back end of the first round. But some other interesting picks after that, which continued to pile on to the headlines. Let's go over all their selections before we bring in our guest. Jordan Love went number 26 overall. That was the big shocker. A.J. Dillon went in the second round. That was still a big shocker, but maybe didn't look as much because of the Jordan Love pick. Josiah DeGuara went in the third round. Fifth round, they picked Kamal Martin, the linebacker out of Minnesota. Sixth round, John Runyon, the guard from Michigan. Jake Hansen, the center from Oregon. And then at the end of the sixth round, they went Simon Stepanak, the guard from Indiana. And then in the seventh round, to finish it all off, they went with Vernon Scott, the defensive back from TCU, and then Jonathan Garvin, the edge rusher from Miami. This was this was one of the most polarizing or maybe the most harshly graded drafts of all the dra- drafts out there. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, like, it's the one that I think shocked us the most, and so it was the most difficult to prepare for, and so you get a lot of knee-jerk reactions. And then the other thing about the Packers is that we don't typically have to deal with quarterback controversy in right. Green Bay because they've had two quarterbacks for the last 500 years. So it's like, you know, this is a, a extremely... Nobody saw it coming to this degree, and it was very shocking and, like, crazy to deal with. So I'm glad we're talking about it a little bit later when everybody's had some time to chill out and and you know look at it with a more level head well there was a lot that happened in this Packers draft top to bottom so to help us out to understand all of these polarizing picks we have Peter Bukowski who hosts Locked On Packers with us here today Peter my man thank you so much for joining us it's uh, a pleasure to be here and not be having to instantly react to everything that was going on. I did, I did a live stream immediately following the first round. Oh, boy. And you guys can imagine what the comments looked like on that Periscope. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, we I, I've done live broadcasts before, but never with a pick that was this earth shattering. So, I mean, like, did you even have thoughts right off the bat? Like, I got to get into that, I guess. When you were live on the broadcast... I mean, what did you do? What was your initial thought? How'd you react? Right off the bat, I'm not sure I have thoughts now. It, it, <laughs> like, we're, this is this is all still very uh, surreal, I think. And, and and maybe we should have been better prepared for it. I mean, this is, after all, the same franchise that did this, did this 15 years ago to the day with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. It was something that was burbling in the days leading up to the draft. I mean, there was breadcrumbs here. Tom Silverstein from the Journal Sentinel reported they were looking at all the quarterbacks. Tua had come in. They were looking at Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, 
uh, even Jacob right. Eason and, and trust me, Eason was, was the worst case scenario for me as I was looking at it. And like, that was a, a pick that had been mocked in the first round, Jacob Eason. And I was, uh, that would have really blown some heads on that one. I didn't, I didn't really know what to think. And, and I think a lot of it, what I said at the time, I tried to, you know, be a little diplomatic and say, it matters what they do on day two, right? If they go out and and add some some firepower to the offense, maybe that means, you know, that they can they can balance this for the now and for the later. I, I just don't know if they did that. All right. So by balancing the for now and balancing the for later. So my my question here, when you when you go with Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, clearly kind of looking at adding a quarterback of the future. And then as we heard about and then saw on day two, looking to build around the run game. And there was that quote that went around that said everything was focused on and oriented around the running game. My, the Packers went to the NFC Championship game. And I think that there's been a lot of discussions in the wake of the Jordan Love pick about how good of a team were they really? Could they be realistically expected to get back to the NFC Championship game again? Were they really only just one wide receiver away? So I'll, I want to give you this framework. Let's say the Packers are back in the NFC Championship game next year. Is it because Aaron Rodgers just had a tremendous season with the wide receivers that were afforded him and he overcame coaching as many people thought he did with Mike McCarthy and put together a tremendous offense? Or is it because Matt LaFleur and the running game really opened things up and Rodgers was able to take a bit more of a backseat and the, they were able to just control the ball and control the clock and run it so effectively? If the Packers are good, Will it be because of the philosophy change or will it be because Rodgers is still overcoming adversity 15 years into his career? I think the answer is actually C, and that is internal developments on the roster filled either holes or buoyed the team in ways right. that they didn't last year. Um, you know, Brian Gutekind said post-draft in his press conference, you can make a lot of mistakes believing you're one player away from anything. And, you know, the the New Orleans Saints treat every draft like they're one player away. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and they, and they've gone to more or less the same place over the last 10 years. So it's just sort of funny how that works out. But to, to my point earlier, I mean, I think when you look at what this team is, can be in 2020, the questions are, okay, does Darnell Savage take a step and become a frontline defensive player? Does Rashawn Gary step forward? Does Jay Sternberger step up in year two? What does Josh Jackson become? Does one of these other, you know, day three UDFA receiver types, Lazard, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scaling, Equinemius St. Brown, do they take a step forward? I think that's where the biggest changes are going to come. And actually, I'm doing a deep dive right now on this Packers offense. They were low-key really bad on play action last year, um, you know, by by pro football focus numbers. Um, whether you like passer rating or yards per attempt, Rodgers was either 30th or 32nd among qualifying quarterbacks. In that uh, uh, situation last year, we know that the run game does not necessarily beget the play action game and vice versa, but it was that failure in the play action game. I think that's what they'd like to fix. They'd like to get bigger, play bigger and still be able to throw off of it, which is sort of how you explain what happened on day two and even to an extent on what happened on day three. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. They made one defensive pick in the top 200. Not a single defensive (laughs) pick with any of their top 100 picks. And then they have two other ones at the very end of the draft in the seventh round. For a team that, man, likes to run sub-package basically to the point where they could call it their base defense. I mean, is this going to be a similar look for the Green Bay Packers moving forward? Did they do enough with their defense to improve on uh, on what they were looking at last season? I think you're, if you're going to make the case, if you're Brian Gutekunst, you're saying, look at what was done over the last two plus years. Because that first draft, they trade down, they get the extra first round pick, they get Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Oren Burks. Okay, Oren Burks has has been a non-factor. Josh Jackson has been inconsistent, and Jair Alexander is a is a potential star player. Um, then you know the, the last draft, Rashawn Gary, mm-hmm. Darnell Savage. You know who knows what Rashawn Gary can be, but we know the physical tools are there. And then in the off season, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos. I, I think the Packers case would be. The, the hay is in the barn okay. and 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 mm-hmm. and now it's time for for that um for for them to reap the benefits of that and and to do the thing that everyone has been asking the last year for them to do and that's give Aaron Rodgers a little bit of help i think the packers for whatever we want to say about the wisdom of the plan i think matt lafleur believes that the run game takes pressure off aaron rodgers and so investing in that for them seems like the prudent path whatever we can say about the wisdom of the plan, right? So mm-hmm. this is the plan. We're not sure it's the best one. Feels like maybe a wide receiver or two might've been the best one, but this is, this is the plan. I want to ask you a question you may not like, but it's, it's, it's quite simply how bad can this get, right? Because there mm. have been moments of Rogers, you know, mid season with like, you know, R E L A X, you know, where he's really like taking a, a, a team that looked like it was struggling and didn't have a direction and turn things around. And then there's been moments with Rogers where, it seems like, you know, he's just not really locked in with how the team is playing and how certain players are performing, right? He's a outspoken quarterback and a bit of a mercurial figure. How bad could this get for the Packers in terms of if we get six games into the season and the running game isn't better and none of those players are taking a step forward, Valda, Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown, these guys that you talked about, what's the nightmare scenario? Is it Jordan Love? Is it Rodgers getting publicly really negative with the coaching staff? Kind of what happens here? You know, that's something that I haven't fully considered, although it's something that (laughs) I, I think certainly is is in the back of my mind. I think the Aaron Rodgers blowing his lid is is a little bit overstated as a possibility. I think if for no other reason, then he sort of validates everything Brett Favre did early in his career that he hated if he right. allows this situation to devolve in that way. And I don't think he wants he, – he doesn't want to be seen that way. He cares about his legacy – um, you know, I, I think as much as anyone, but I, but he he deeply cares about it and is honest about talking about caring about his legacy. If you're the Packers, though, could you be in a scenario where you're now forced to do what the Patriots did last year and give up overpay for a Mohamed Sanu type player? 
Um, you know, the 49ers were able to get Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know that anyone, I, I certainly don't think that that trade was what catapulted them to a 13 and three season in a Super Bowl run. Um, I think you could make the case that was an overpay for, for whatever it was, 10 games of Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, the position that the Green Bay Packers could find themselves in because they're going right. to take a serious PR hit if they start out two and four and it's because the offense can't get things going. Uh, before we get to my last question here, we mentioned it early on the podcast, but Built Bar is rebuilding the bar game, folks. They have a fantastic combination of great taste, low calories, and high protein. They're big for uh, either before or after workouts. They got seven times less carbs, seven times less sugar, so they're a lot healthier for you when you're throwing them into your diet. I mean, it could be as a go-to snack. You could add it onto a meal if you're still hungry. Ben talked about it. if he was eating fruit, he's never satisfied. So maybe he could pair that with fruit and he can actually enjoy his snacks for once. They got 15 different great flavors for you guys to choose from. They come in packs of 18 when you get a built box. I'm a sucker for the classic peanut butter. That's what I always go for. Ben had already talked about the double chocolate. He's talked about that on previous podcasts. But if you out there have ordered some and there there are other flavors that we haven't got to yet, tell us because I'm looking for the next box that I want to buy. If you guys head there now, you can use the code locked on and get $10 off your fir- first box. This is better taste. These are better for your macros, and they'll just give you a better overall diet. So make sure you guys head over to builtbar.com. Peter, before I let you go, my last question here Ben, I know, has at least one left in the tank that is always his go to final question. But you wrote, I thought, a really great piece uh, about the hate on this Jordan Love pick almost has nothing to do with Jordan Love and everything Mm -hmm. to do with the legacy of Aaron Rodgers. And you touching on it there made me want to bring this up and just give you the the ability to expound upon that a little bit more because I think it's a great point. And Ben joked about it at the beginning of the podcast – Hey, the Green Bay Packers, they don't really have much quarterback controversy. It's been Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for as long as anybody can remember. Is that really what's going on here? Is the Jordan Love pick in a vacuum? Not that bad of a pick. It just forces people to look at what might be the end of an era for Aaron Rodgers. I'd just love for you to kind of give some more words on on a fantastic article that you wrote about this topic. Well, thanks, Trevor. First of all, that that means a lot. Uh, It it is... I think the the kind of thing where it not only throws into focus the end of Aaron Rodgers' career and and puts in some ways a timer on it, right? We have now a clear view that we're talking about one, two, three years, four years, probably absolute tip-top max. And that means Packer fans have to start planning for life without Aaron Rodgers. And then that throws into focus all of the failings of this team over the last decade of not putting him in a better position to to compete for Super Bowls, the defensive flaws. You look at the the 2014 NFC Championship game against the Seahawks and all of the the playoff losses on the right. last the last play, and the the playoff failures because you know they have one of the best defenses of Rodgers' career in 2009. They go and they give up 50 to Kurt Warner in Arizona. I think those are the things that come out and you go, why couldn't they have done more to put him in a better position? And of course, that's encapsulated in this moment with Jordan Love, because what is he not the thing that's going to help Aaron Rodgers win another Super Bowl? Now, the counter to that is when the Packers won in 2010, 
Brett Favre had had just been on the Vikings, but he'd also just been on the Packers. Did any Packer fan care that Aaron Rodgers won that Super Bowl and not Aaron Rodgers? Or not Brett Favre. If Jordan Love goes on to be successful, if the Packers can compete in 2023 or 2024, is anyone going to care that Jordan Love won that Super Bowl and not Aaron Rodgers? My guess would be no. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, I have two questions because I want to make sure that we talk a little bit of at least scheme and usage with players that are on the roster, whether or not we thought they were going to be the picks in A.J. Dillon and in Josiah DeGuara. I know that there's been discussion and confusion about what exactly DeGuara is in terms of an H-back, fullback, tight end. He His best trait coming out was his versatility. He gets drafted, I think, earlier than a lot of people thought he would because of that versatility. So I want to know how you think they're going to use DeGuara based off of what they've said and what LaFleur has done with similar players in his past. And then with Dylan, the second-round pick, who, again, I think a lot of people liked but expected to go off the board a bit later— does his second round draft stock indicate a timeshare with Aaron Jones? Do you think this is going to be split 50-50? There's going to be different concepts for what? So how are we using Dylan and how are we using Deguara? Well, so the 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 comparisons right away with Deguara were to a player that Matt LaFleur's old boss continues to employ to great effect, and that's Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah. Um, now, Brian Gutekunst has since pushed back against that and said, look, we we viewed him as a front office as someone who was a tight end who can block, not a fullback or an H-back who can catch passes. So that, I think, sheds a little bit more light on what they want him to be. Jay Sternberger, late in the season when he came back, was playing an H-back type role. Um, And so I think what you'll see is more Jay Sternberger in the slot. Matt LaFleur told him um, that that would be a a bigger role for him, that he'd be more of the receiver this season. And DeGuar, I think, is going to come in and be a versatile piece, play some fullback, play some tight end. But he can play split out. He can play out wide. Green Bay loves to, you know, go to spread formations out of big personnel. Um, And and, um, I think A.J. Dillon allows them to do that with two running back sets. They use Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones to great effect, particularly early in the season, on the field together and creating problems for defenses because Aaron Jones is such an asset in the passing game. Well, if you can take some of the run game responsibilities off the plate of Jones and now you've got this hammer back that you can put in the backfield, now you can play big but split Aaron Jones out and now you're making a defense decide, all right, are we going to put a safety on him? Are we going to put a run? Are we going to put a linebacker on him? Do we lighten the box? Because AJ Dillon is still back there. If you're going to put six or seven in the box and the Packers can account for all those guys, are they just going to be content hammering the ball down your throat? I mean, I think that's the bind that Matt LaFleur would like to put defenses in much in the same way that Kyle Shanahan does and say, we can, we want to be able to play big and run or pass. They couldn't do that last year from big personnel last year. They, they couldn't throw the ball. And that was a big problem for them. 
All right, my final question then for you uh, is about fits, not with day two players, not with day three players, but with UDFAs. Peter, the most important question you will be asked on this or any podcast in your entire career. (laughs) The Packers added 15 uh, undrafted free agents in the 2020 NFL draft. I want to know from you, who is the player who will make the 55-man roster this year for the Packers, and why is he the UDFA to be crowned the champion of the Royal Rumble? Well, this is an easy one this year because it's Stanford Samuels. He's yeah. A play- he's a player who had a lot of talent, a former five-star recruit at Florida State, and didn't time well, ran 4.65 at the Combine. Bob McGinn for the Athletic wrote a piece that quoted Samuels as saying he felt like his body was burned out. He had done a stress test. We've heard, right, that that the later the later testing threw off the body clocks of a lot of these players, and he, he claimed that if he'd had a pro day, he'd have run 4.5. At his pro day. And if he does, probably gets drafted, right? I mean, probably is at the very least is not a UDFA, is, right. is, a, is a day three type. So, I mean, I think on a roster where they have some some opportunities at cornerback for someone to come in and and try and make a roster, I, I think that he's the guy. I love to bet on pedigree and a five-star recruit at Florida State who, who has been a playmaker there, cre- created turnovers, interceptions, all that stuff. I, I think you're going to bet on the talent. And they just signed the the veteran DB coach from Minnesota who has had great success developing some of those guys in, with the Vikings. So you, you hope good coaching plus plus five-star pedigree gives you a player that can make your roster. Whew, a lot of info on what was the most talked about drafts of the entire 2020 draft process. Peter, before we let you go, make sure you let people know where they can follow all your work. Well, easiest way is is on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Obviously, locked on Packers anywhere you find podcasts, um, and uh, also write for Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation Packers site, Packer Report, uh, Pro Football Weekly, Uprox Sports, all kinds of places. He's all over the place, folks. Really appreciate you coming on with us, Peter. Great to be here, guys. I appreciate it. We got four more draft class recaps that we're getting to over Wednesday and Thursday. Very excited about those. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.